0: I'm Michael Holly, and you're listening to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics Blog. Podcast on Celtics blog. I am Adam Motenko. With me, as always, my good friend Mike Minkoff.
1: How's it going? Not quite as always. Uh, it's been a, a little, a little while since I've been on the pod, uh, and I, I missed our draft extravaganza last last go round. And uh, but I'm I'm here for the free agent frenzy that's ongoing as we speak.
0: Well, you missed Josh and Adam Spinella tucking deep nerdy on draft night, uh, and. We didn't discuss Juhan at all. So I was going
1: to say, I, I couldn't even remember the name of our draft pick, <laughs> uh, so I was going to ask you if we discussed him, and I couldn't because never I could came not up. remember the name. Yeah, did not even so. come
0: up. Uh, all right. Well, today, we, it's, it is 7.50 on Monday evening. It, it, we are in full free agency frenzy. Uh, Evan Fournier has not decided what's happening yet. Uh, Marcus Smart is still on the team. The trade for uh, Josh Richardson and Moses Brown has gone through, but the Tristan Thompson trade, which was originally rumored to bring back um, Dunn and Bruno Fernandez and send DeLon Wright to to Atlanta, has not been finalized yet. Um, So, Mike, anything else about where we are at this point?
1: Well, we are in the midst of... I guess just (laughs) watching to see how the free agent landscape unfolds um and i think continuing a trajectory uh that started since pretty much brad stevens made the initial swap of al horford for kemba walker uh or i guess vice versa um of doing everything we can to clean our cap sheet and and create uh create Retain and expand kind of our our cap flexibility while while maintaining kind of some some sort of cohesive roster. Um, so you know ba- based on what we're seeing so far, we brought in Jason Richardson uh, in a deal where he fit into the remainder of the trade traded player ex- exception from the twenty eight point five million dollar TPE generated when we traded Gordon Hayward. Uh, the the rest of which was used when we. Traded for Evan Fournier last uh, season. Um, we sent out Moses Brown in a move that was, uh, by, as far as anyone could tell, uh, intended predominantly to shed as much salary as we reasonably could, um, and presumably other players that we had interest in, in sending out. Me, you know, totally my speculation, but maybe somebody like Carson Edwards uh, were were not of interest to Dallas. Um, oh darn. Oh darn. Uh we that that Josh Richardson trade came on the heels of uh like just hours after it was reported that a three-team deal had been agreed to that would send uh Tristan Thompson uh RIP TT Island um <laughs> uh out from from Boston to ultimately Sacramento. Uh Sacramento would send Delon Wright to Atlanta and Atlanta would send the Celtics, Chris Dunn, and Bruno Fernando. Um, now, interestingly, with that trade, because by all accounts at the time it was reported, Chris Dunn was likely going to fit snugly into the traded player exception that was left over from Ennis Cantor, the Ennis Cantor deal, when we sent him uh, out to Portland. Um, however, uh, because that deal has not been... Uh, reported final or is not yet final more importantly than whether it was reported final uh, and the league year concluded as of midnight um, August 1st we're in we're in officially now in the 2021-2022 league year that Cantor TP is no longer available um, and what that suggests to me is that the Celtics have enough understanding that they'll be able to move at least chris dunn if not both chris dunn and bruno fernando uh to other teams adding in like a fourth team at least into the deal and my guess is that they're kind of waiting to see how the um, free agent market evolves if there's a player that they want to target in a sign-in trade they could bring back up to 125 percent of tristan thompson's contract i believe which would be about 12 million dollars um in a sign-in trade if it got added into this kind of increasingly complex four team uh construct so i think the celtics you know uh every everything that they've actually done so far uh seems to be focused on uh keeping a you know even like bringing richardson in and there's questions about how useful he'll be as a player you know he's he's had some good moments in his career more recently he's had less good moments in his career um but at minimum, you can kind of functionally look at him as just a one-year extension of that 11 or so million dollars that was left on the Gordon Hayward trade trade player exception. Not a great way to talk about a human being, but um, uh, he will be getting paid, <laughs> 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 and uh, he he will have some usefulness on the court, and you know he can be traded outright uh, by himself. Um, you know, anytime. And then after 60 days, he or any of these players acquired via trade could be aggregated with other players in a larger trade, um, if of interest. So, you know, I, I just think where we are now is in aggregate kind of reflective of um, a number of moves that Stevens has been made, uh, making that seem to me to suggest this, the the Celtics front office and ownership don't really see the Celtics in prime position to compete for a championship this season uh and are looking at this season more as a a bridge year that where they can maximize the potential for growth for tatum and brown by bringing around solid defensive oriented team oriented players like um horford and richardson into the fold into the rotation um but not not kind of going all in and looking to 2022 where uh with another year of seasoning for their stars uh a a year of growth for their young players and a chance to kind of re-read the market as it evolves over the next season or maybe even trying to make a a bigger move at the trade deadline um so that that's my read on how things have evolved so far
0: yeah it looks you mentioned that they're they're trying to keep flexibility and, and clear the cap sheet. It's, it looks to me, and, and I mentioned this when Kemba Walker was traded and we reacted to it, uh, which was not something that was mentioned in, in a lot of circles, that this that trade gave them the, the possibility of having max cap space next year when the free agent class is phenomenal. Um, the assumption was not that that's where they were headed because they were so good a year ago. Um, it's really interesting to see based on these moves, the differences between what Brad Stevens thinks of this roster and the cap sheet and what Danny Ainge did. And some, uh, we're starting to get glimpses into, into what those differences look like. I mean, we can clearly see that Tristan Thompson, uh, was not a fit for this team. We knew Brad Stevens didn't like playing him in a too big lineup. Uh, and and now there's some things coming out that there were some issues between Thompson and the coaching staff. Um, we clearly, uh, Al Horford was somebody that that Brad would have liked to have kept. Um, his contract is not the only reason I think that he's coming back. Clearly, they are trading out younger players for older players, who I think Brad Stevens would have liked to have had on this team to play rotation minutes, especially uh, backing up. and And I wonder how Stevens, what Stevens thought about the Evan Fournier trade, basically sending out two first round, p- two second round picks for Fournier what is looking like just a rental for half a year. And I think when they did it, the idea was, well, let's see what this this uh, can do for us this year. How bad could it be? And it was really as bad as it could possibly be him getting uh, COVID and, and, and really having one of the tougher times, the more time spent away with COVID than I think any other player in the NBA. Um, I, I'm just, I'm really... <laughs> I'm interested to see what continues here because it looks like we're not done. Mike, if I had told you after the last game of of the season that the Celtics would trade Kemba Walker, Tristan Thompson, and the 16th pick in the draft for Josh Richardson, uh, Bruno Fernando, Chris Dunn, assuming who knows whether they're moving or not. Um, And am I missing anything?
1: Horford, Horford. (laughs) And Al Horford.
0: (laughs) How would you feel about that?
1: Um... I would I mean I I wouldn't feel overwhelmingly excited except to say that I you know we you you Josh and I uh in a, one of our episodes towards the end of the regular season or maybe right out or no after maybe after the playoffs uh concluded for the for the Celtics you know, we had a discussion, and I I think I fell kind of on the side of the the fence of the Celtics really were were probably two to three years away from legit uh, championship contention, and, and uh, I I think you both fell a little bit on the other side of the fence, um, and to me this entire off season suggests that ownership had a bit of a similar read to to me saying that we're not we're not there right now. Yeah like our players aren't there yet, our roster isn't where it needs to be, and our cap situation is such that we actually have to hit reset and and regroup and position ourselves to go into the luxury tax heavily in about two years from now when we have a 25-year-old Jason Tatum and a 26-year-old Jalen Brown, rather than right now, we don't wanna necessarily start that clock with a a roster that's not where it needs to be uh, to reach that level. Um, when, when, you know, we have Brown under contract for four more years and Tatum under contract for five, right? So, um, so I would be, I would be, well, I'm not overwhelmed by the talent or the players that we've brought in. I am excited that the team is making the decision that to me seemed, seemed the most reasonable given where they were. Um, I, I, I wasn't convinced that Kemba Walker, I I have never been convinced Kemba Walker was the solution for us, um i you know i like i like horford i'm not ecstatic you know he's he's fine yep. he he will help move the ball he's not the player he was uh but the player he was was really good and if he's pretty good right now and uh, you know a, a solid just calming veteran presence and a good mentor for robert william but then but that's not fine. who you not it. who
0: you want getting paid like your third star
1: No, but he's still getting paid $6 million less than Kemba this year and uh, has, you know, only $16 million guaranteed next year compared to like 37 for Kemba, right? Like, and that's where it's like, okay, yeah, I'll make that trade. (laughs) Like that's worth it just from the cap flexibility perspective. And, you know, you mentioned a moment ago us potentially being able to open up max cap space. Well, that's why, right? Uh, Doing that, if we don't sign Fournier uh, and, and, based on the early reporting and rumors it sounds like like you said the knicks are in strong position there was a tweet earlier i forget by who um uh, suggesting that oh i think it was uh brian robb from mass live uh saying that the spurs and pelicans were other interested um suitors for fournier uh, in addition to the celtics and knicks um and the so, numbers the
0: numbers being thrown out there are not astronomical. They're talking about twenty million a season for Fournier. I think this it sounds no, like that's a, astronomical. That, that, sounds that's like,
1: absolutely astronomical.
0: It sounds like the Celtics him, want to pay fifteen view. million or less, right? And and my question that, around that, that
1: by as far as we can discern. Yeah. yeah.
0: My, my thoughts around that, I'm I'm wondering is it real is that the Celtics don't want to give up uh, that kind of money beyond this season? Or because if if as it looks that they're really trying to to keep a clear caps cap sheet for next year, uh, potentially to sign Bradley Beal, who by the way, by not demanding a trade before the draft this year, made it a lot easier for a the Celtics to trade for him next year, or b them to sign him outright after that. Um, if they're really yeah, trying to keep I, that clear I mean... cap cap sheet, then then why would you want? Uh, Evan Fournier on the books uh, at a number that would make it hard for you to trade him?
1: A a couple of things on that. So yes, if the Celtics are truly prioritizing um, having a clean cap sheet uh, for free agency purposes, um, then re-signing Fournier period to a multi-year deal wouldn't really make sense. I'm not convinced that that's as much of a priority for the Celtics as a recent tweet by... Um, was it Mark Murphy? Uh, uh, may, maybe not. Uh, somebody, some somebody on the Celtics beat re- tweeted uh, just about I don't know 30 minutes before we hopped on to record this um, that the Celtics were now kind of prioritizing keeping you know keeping their cap sheet clean. There was also rumors um, and and follow up reporting after Lonzo uh, agreed to his four year, 85 million dollar offer sheet with the Chicago. Bulls that the Celtics were looking at a sign and trade built around Marcus Smart and Lonzo Ball. Um, and if they were actually looking at that, then they were very much not looking to keep their cap sheet clean. Now, mm-hmm. it, you know, there's a lot of stuff rumored out there. It's hard to know what exactly is true. But even the interest in Fournier suggests they're not necessarily prioritizing keeping their cap sheet clean. My totally speculative guess um, is that when they're looking at someone a deal for someone like Fournier or that sign-in trade for someone like Alonzo Ball, they're doing that with two things in mind. One, you know, is this making our team a bit better now? But two, is this also bringing us a, a tradable asset for a, a better player if the opportunity presents? Um, and the dollars that they're trying to sign these players on as well as the players they're targeting, I think, are informing that. And if they can't get the players they want... At the dollars they want, sure. Then they'll fo- then they'll prioritize cap space. But it, you know, every nothing's a binary in this in this team building process.
0: I have some breaking news. Adrian Wojnarowski is tweeting that Evan Fournier has agreed to a four year deal, seventy eight million with New York, with the Knicks. So, and there you go. There you go. <laughs> we rented him for half a season for two second round picks, and that did not turn out well. So. uh I, I mean the, I, I don't think it did. I mean the writing the writing was on the wall when uh, Richardson happened. I, I think that was clearly a sign that the Celtics did not think that they could re-sign Fournier.
1: But what what I, I guess that my question is, so I mean Ryan Ryan Bernardoni, who is way smarter on all things cap than me and all of us on this this podcast. Um, and he on on the uh, winning plays pod. He and Brian Rob recorded an episode that aired earlier today. Uh, I think it may have even posted late Sunday evening. Um, and you know he was he you know he mentioned and he also tweeted some of this. Just you know re pointing out the the kind of hazard that he had highlighted yeah. at the time of the Fournier deal. Yeah. <clears throat> and the the the, the main. The main cost, um, uh, opportunity cost, as I see it, when when it all shakes out, is prospectively, um, we could have had the full Hayward TPE, which could have absorbed Horford, which could have uh, allowed us to create a new TPE when we traded Kemba for Horford, um, the size of Kemba's deal, which would have been large enough to absorb a player making as much as someone like Bradley Beal. Um, Now, sure, having a bigger TPE is better than not having a TPE at all. At the same time, I think we just saw over the course of this last year how fickle and fragile a TPE is as an asset. And ultimately, you still have to give up... um, assets of value commensurate to what you're taking in so if we're trying to get bradley beal it's not i mean it it may be it may make the cap math simpler in that in that case but we still are going to have to give up a whole heck of a lot just to be in the conversation i mean you know so the question is do we not no longer have to have another salary could we just do like smart and kneesmith and romeo and every pick that we're allowed to throw at them and is that enough for Beal? I mean, the cap math no longer becomes an issue, so maybe maybe that is worth it. Um, but my guess is we have to add in more talent to make mm-hmm. it a conversation Washington wants to have anyway. So, I I think it was a a roll of the dice worth taking at the time. I I thought so. We just had every bad thing that could have happened happen. I mean, Fournier came and immediately had a false positive for COVID then played a game a couple games started looking at, like looked great one game and then tested positive for covid and was out forever and then then at that point it was kind of a sunk sunk cost um, and we we were, weren't going to get all our kind of ducks in a row for the playoffs but you know it was a pretty uh despondent season and it was worth doing something to try to give give that team some life
0: this is why i think you agreed with me at the time that it was it would be when we were before they made the 48 trade that we wanted them to trade for somebody who had at least more than one year remaining on their deal more than last year remaining on it to I, avoid this sort of a situation. I genuinely
1: don't remember. Well, I, I, I'm pretty, I, I think at the beginning of the season, I was pretty open to a one year deal. I think like, I didn't feel like it had to be a multi-year deal because I, to me, I, w- I was always interested in us getting, back to a place of greater cap flexibility Mm -hmm. because I just thought we were trapped. So I didn't think like if, if our, if the team last year like totally gelled and we made a really intense run and looked like we could be really competitive, then it's like, sure, invest in Fournier. Um, but given the way things petered out, like having that honest conversation as a team and saying, we're just not where we want, where we thought we were, things haven't worked. Let's reset. And build a, and build around the Jays and in a, a total like and totally commit to that concept. Um, I just think that 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 it's fine to have taken that additional step in acquire in my opinion in acquiring Fournier to to do that kind of final vetting of that potential this potential bridging approach. Um, and now I think it's appropriate to to reset and and do a, a pretty focused reset and reorientation around the Jays.
0: Now, one of the so there's risk in that. As as Ryan Bernardoni tweeted out a few minutes ago, if you are doing that plan, you better get a top free agent. You better get the Bradley Beal next year, or else you can start planning to trade away Tatum and Brown before they become free agents. Like there's huge, huge risk in this path.
1: Well, I mean, we don't know. So first of all, there's a couple things. One. Uh I do wonder, I mean, the the Fournier signing is official. I wonder if it's possible um, for us to turn that into a TPE via sign and trade. I have no idea. But probably not. Yeah, that it would doesn't look like us.
0: it. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we want um, to do that.
1: Regardless, you know, I'm... Again, I think the Celtics are in a position where they're going to have options. They have a lot of salaries that they can package and move over the course of this season between Richardson, between Horford, um, and his partial guarantee going into next year. I still think we're going to bring in another mid mid-size salary, uh, either as a, a part of this yet-to-be-finalized for- uh, currently, a three-team deal with Atlanta and Sacramento that sends out Tristan Thompson. Um, uh, in the wake of the Fournier news, a number of uh, people are tweeting. Brian Rob, again from Mass Live, Jared Weiss from The Athletic, uh, are, are, are tweeting out. But Brian Rob specifically tweeting that Fournier's departure. Uh, will likely lead to a deal or two now for Boston with a full mid-level exception at at 9.5 million uh potentially in play to use if if Stevens moves some other minor salary out the door. Um so which means you know, which
0: means that they would be under the tax this year.
1: Yes, which was another thing that I thought that they should prioritize because it yep. didn't make sense to me to start the clock on the repeater tax when you're not competing for a championship.
0: Yeah. So, which brings us to the, this other question of how much is this ownership, ownership group willing to pay the luxury tax right now? At least I know a lot of teams have, have uh, had some difficulty financially because of the last two years of COVID, but uh, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't,
1: I mean, look, I have no idea. I, I don't know. Wick.
0: <laughs> I don't know.
1: Steve, Steve, I don't know. Pags. Um, but, You know, in the extremely unlikely event I were ever the owner for the team, uh, I would try to keep a pretty honest assessment of whether I thought the team really had a chance to compete for a championship or to compete for a championship with like one additional move that would put them in the tax. And if I felt like the genuine, honest, you know, cutthroat answer was yes, then I'd go into the tax and I might go quite a bit into the tax. But if i thought the answer was no i'm trying to trick myself to make myself feel better uh then i wouldn't and and that's how i would personally approach managing that situation and and that's how it seems i mean based just based on the decisions that are being made this group is kind of managing and approaching this right now as well i mean what what would you do adam
0: i i mean the the approach that you're talking about this idea of of keeping it massive financial flexibility at the cost of talent and and an ability to i would say to play effectively and win on the floor which is basically what i'm seeing happening here we've had this massive talent drop over the last have have two, we over the last two years yeah uh from from hayward over to, the last two years to, sure to, to kemba but from last to,
1: season to this season are we do you think we're much
0: worse I think that we are certainly worse. Yeah, it's not it's not I mean we're talking about incremental improvement or or decrease uh versus so there's a there's two ways to look at this. One is and this is what it appears that the the Celtics brass and is doing and that you agree with, which is if you're not a championship level contender, keep flexi- maximum flexibility even if you become worse in the short term. That is what what we're seeing here. The other way to think about it is incrementally improve as much as possible with less financial flexibility so maybe the route for improving is trading instead of signing a free agent
1: but the but there's i mean there's a, a few variables at play there right the trade i mean a the trades have to be there yep. that, that actually make you a little bit better be the free agent within the, other the way. financial constraints that you have and if you continue to box yourself in financially those financial constraints are harder to to navigate and and more restrictive um two there you know there there are third options of like it i'm i'm not saying the team like going after lonzo ball as as was rumored i believe would have almost certainly resulted in putting the celtics into the tax and Again, my speculation is that for them that would have been worthwhile because it would have achieved probably two things simultaneously. One, it would have made the team they they probably believed it it would have made the team a little bit better right now, and and on a better put it on a better path over the next couple of years. And it my other specul my other guess here is that they would have believed that ball was a better asset to move in a trade for a really big star. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, and again, that would make sense to me. It's just about what is putting you into the tax. Evan Fournier doesn't move the needle for me as far as raising our ceiling as a team in a meaningful way this year or in the next few years, nor do I think he's good enough to attract, to like be the, the, an anchor or a key piece of and basically anything more than really salary filler. In a trade for a star, and so that's why I would not want to invest in him to go into the tax if I were ownership. But for someone like Ball, I'd be totally into it.
0: And just it's worth repeating. There's two reasons to not go into the tax. The first is that it creates it. it the repeater tax increases the amount that ownership has to pay every year, which will hamstring any team, even the Golden State Warriors. Uh, the second reason is because your ownership group doesn't have the money or isn't willing to pay that much. And so I think you have to bring up that topic here, seeing the moves the Celtics are making, seeing how they are, are uh, not going into the luxury tax this season, it, it doesn't look like. Um, if you had an ownership group that was willing to pay a 20 to $50 million tax, you could have made some different moves and kept your, your cap sheet higher and still potentially had some flexibility here, not as much as what we're seeing but still had some. And I think this group was not willing to pay that much. And that's their prerogative. Um, but that does put the Celtics at a disadvantage. If that is true, that would put the Celtics at a disadvantage compared to some other teams in the league. And and we have to watch what happens here. I mean, going forward, the, this ownership group shelled out money for the Garnett Championship team. So there has not been any data up until recently that has led me to believe that they are not willing to pay for a championship level team. Now, clearly, as you state, you you and they don't think that this is a championship level team. Uh, I continue to go back to how fluky these last two years have been and how hard it is for me to, to uh, draw conclusions based on what I've seen in these injury-depleted teams, COVID-ravaged seasons. It's just, it's been so, so strange. So, Along these lines, reports are that Marcus Smart wants um, four years and $80 million as an extension. He's due to make about $14 million next year.
1: It, not as an extension, because uh, his extension ceiling can only be $17 million, So it would be a negotiation of oh. a new contract after this current con- deal expires after this season.
0: Oh, I thought that was the the max that he could make as an extension. Okay.
1: I, I My understanding was it's $17 million a year. That's what I thought too, but there's been
0: extension. all these... That's what I thought too. There's yeah, the, tweet, the out tweets here. out
1: there. It's, yeah. uh, the Mark Murphy had a tweet about uh, this four-year, eighty million. Anyhow, um,
0: yeah. Um, and and just as a note, Fournier's fourth year is a team option, uh, so it really looks like a three-year, fifty-seven or whatever million dollar. Fifty-eight. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So would you would you sign Smart to his max extension, whether it's seventeen a year or twenty?
1: Um. That's really hard for me to answer right now. Um, I would.
0: Your dog, Ollie definitely doesn't like. My dog, Ollie
1: has some thoughts, uh, mostly as to why I'm not giving him a treat (laughs) uh, at the moment, but my feeling. Ultimately to me, I don't know that I think smart is quite worth that on the court, though. It's very close. I, I think, the same logic that I just talked about with like why I would be willing to invest in ball versus why I wouldn't in Fournier um, is what I would ultimately be wanting to be applying to, to that question with smart, which is okay. Is, you know, are we better with him on the court? I think the answer is yes, we are. So, so you want him on your team. Um, but is if he's making that money, like, is he, a key part of a, of a trade for a star or is he salary filler? And I think at that number it's, I don't quite know the answer Mm -hmm. and that, and that's a, that's a problem. Um, If, you know, I think if it's a lower number, then it's, then he becomes a really uh, attractive asset for other teams Uh, at that number, which is, which is probably right around his market value in fairness to him. um, I think it's, you know, I think it's going to be more difficult to build an, a, a trade package that the Celtics are going to feel good good about if they want to go after a major star. Um, so that's a non-answer. Uh, I, I think you have to wait a little longer into free agency before you make that decision. Uh, I don't know when the Celtics deadline is for, for coming to agreement uh, with Smart on that. Um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be devastated if they just signed him to his max extension. I don't think it would be a terrible decision, but but it would certainly be restrictive uh, from a cap cap perspective. Well, what do you, where do you where do I you mean, fall?
0: Yeah, you know when the Celtic when the front office started opening up the possibility for max space next year it did, it was feeling like this team was just, this is the team that we're going to have. And they weren't quite full championship contender. I thought they were a level below last year, almost getting to the finals made me wonder. Um, I like the idea of riding with Jalen and Jason and, and assuming that, that, Tatum is, is has real potential to be a top 3 top 5 player in the league which is I think you need to win a championship anyway. Um and you just needed a third star and and a supporting cast and you know that I hated some of the recent draft picks and how young this team was last year and it was very obviously a choice that this team was not going to um compete and then and then they they, they I mean that was true yeah they and, and I, I didn't fully agree with that, but, but it, given the, the COVID situation this year, I thought they had a better chance than the, I thought it was worth going for it this year. Um, and I thought I didn't like the youth movement that Ainge, uh, laid, laid, created. And I don't think Brad did like that either. Um, whether it's worth giving up that flexibility for Marcus smart, as much as I love Marcus smart, he's been my favorite player on the team. I mean, he's, he's the heart and soul of the team. And I really have serious questions about the level of grit and toughness on this team without him. Uh, I don't know whether you extend him. I I mean, you don't have to, that's the thing he's saying, this is what I want next year. If, I mean, I, I think he's looking for an extension now. Uh, so I think I'd, I I th- honestly I would. I I didn't think the tw- the the Fournier contract was way exorbitant. I would have considered doing that and I would have uh and I would keep smart and I, I I like that team. And I I like the Jason Richardson trade. Now, if you do all of that, now you're in luxury tax territory for I don't know, 20 million, something around there. So, I don't who knows if ownership wanted to support that um but that's the route that I would have tried to go. I would have I would have tried to match Fournier's deal. And I would I would totally extend Smart and I would try and and trade for for Beal instead of trying to get him in free agency.
1: Well, again, there has to be a, a willing trade partner. Um yep. by by all accounts, and, the, and Beal hasn't asked for a trade. Yeah, and... but it's not like
0: Beal wants to has said he's only coming here like no, but Tatum he, he, has hasn't said, much... he he
1: hasn't he hasn't said he wants to go anywhere. That's the problem. Beal Beal yep. is not available for trade at the right. moment. That's right. He's not on the market. So it's hard to trade for someone not on the market.
0: Which <laughs> to me means you you have to maximize the group that you have the talent you have now. And I don't think they're doing that right now. And I think that's um, a huge not, huge I'm... risk. You you don't have that long with Tatum and Brown.
1: I mean, I I just don't I think I think that's a very strong reaction to letting someone like Fournier go, who I think is solid, but not spectacular. Um, And I I think we have a team better positioned. We talked about this already, but when, um, in trading Horford for Kemba, I thought we made our team better suited for the Jays than Mm -hmm. it had been prior to that trade. So, you know, you're talking about, yes, a talent downgrade going from Fournier to Richardson i'm not i'm not arguing that um but i don't think fournier is good enough to get that upset about um especially given that we do have a lot of flexibility now uh is it perfect no would i like us to be actually a championship contender yes uh, but as you said i think that mostly boils down to whether Tatum can get into that top three to top five category, and I've got serious questions about that, to be honest. Um, mostly, I, I think he's going to be—he's uh, he, going to be one of the most skilled players in the NBA uh, over the course of his career. Um, but I saw, you know, we—we we, there was the finals, and there's Giannis, and you compare the just the toughness the elite, elite toughness and aggressiveness on the court that someone like Giannis has, and you compare it to someone like Tatum, and I get a little nervous. Um, You know, Giannis, who, by the way, is like, what, just three years older than Tatum, uh, was a a two-time MVP and now a one-time finals uh, MVP and NBA champion. Um, I I don't know, I, I mean, I made an argument, I think, before we got to the Celtics blog uh, podcast feed, that Tatum was going to emerge as like the the Giannis foil in the East for decade for the decade to come. Um, but I'm scared uh, of Giannis, and I'm, I'm I question if if Tatum can bring the consistent aggression on the court to really get into that true top 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 top, top tier of greatness uh, that he'd need to be to, to kind of carry the Celtics into that championship conversation. But our hopes certainly do rely on that.
0: Yeah. Okay. What else are you looking out for here? What are you hoping comes out of this uh, Tristan Thompson trade that has not become official yet? Uh, what other free agents are you hoping the Celtics uh, sign?
1: I don't, I, I mean, there are a couple of players out there that that have been kind of rumored or, or, or thrown about that, Intrigue me, um, Rudy Gay. I, I could, I could get behind, though. Uh, certainly, when I tossed that out on the Celtics blog Slack, there were uh, a couple people that <laughs> thought I was crazy, uh, but other people uh, thought that was that that was intriguing. Uh, there's there's a lot of Celtics blog Slack uh, sentiment in favor of Patty Mills, and I, I could definitely be uh, game for that if we if we could get him. Um, I don't know that there are a ton of other players that I've seen out there. I mean, I, I don't, Chicago's made all sorts of free, uh, um, free agent acquisitions. They got Lonzo Ball. It came through our our, our Twitter feed a, a little bit ago that they just signed Alex Caruso. If like Thad Young is available for trade, I still think he could be a good fit for us. Um, There's. You know, a, a few people have talked about uh, Kyle Anderson. We talked about Kyle Anderson as a potential trade target, though it remains unclear why Memphis would do that. Um, and, I, and I don't really, you know, he doesn't fit cleanly in that sign and trade scenario with uh, that Tristan Thompson deal, because I believe he makes closer to like 17 million. Um, I, I think it's a bit too much. Uh, those are really the, I mean, there aren't a ton of names out there that I'm like holding my breath on. What about you? Are there are there guys you've got your eyes on?
0: <laughs> it's nobody moves the needle at this point. We're getting to the point in free agency where teams the money is drying up, and you I do think you'll see some nice value contracts. Um, maybe not even today, but tomorrow or, or later in the week. Uh, and I think the Celtics can take advantage of that, especially on short term one one plus one deals, like a a deal for next year and maybe a team option for the year after. Or maybe you overpay a little bit um, using the non-taxpayer mid-level or the the um, or the or the normal mid-level. Um, but the names on the list are not exciting to me. They're <laughs> they're fringe fringe players on this team. I think we're really looking at uh, what can happen out of this Tristan Thompson trade, and I don't think much will. Uh, and whether Marcus Smart is back on this team next year. I mean, it's not. It's not a bad situation we're in now without Fournier. Uh, I still, I have always liked Marcus Smart distributing the ball. I think he's uh, been the best or the second best passer on the team for uh, the last few years. I think he's an underrated playmaker. uh, And I like him at point guard. Uh, I like him distributing the ball. So, uh, and I think it really improves their defense. I, I, I do like the potential defensive improvements just... On on paper, based on who's on the team, uh, that that I'm seeing now. I, I...
1: Yeah, we, I mean, we we're not, like, <laughs> this is always, and this was always my beef with Kemba more more than my concerns about his yeah. uh, perf- offensive performance in the playoffs, which was the, kind of the secondary. But it's always like just the way I think about. If I, again, if I were running a team, I would want to m- try to make sure that I never had a defensive liability on the court. Yeah, because I just think it turns out that makes it really hard to play against you. Like those great warriors teams, I guess, I mean, Curry was quasi a liability, but he was also like the greatest offensive player ever. (laughs) So you can be, you can be a defensive liability when you're that great. Um, uh, but that was kind of my point with Kemba is he was never great enough offensively to overcome his defensive deficiencies. And we, you know, in with Jay rich, Jay rich, we, he's definitely a strong defender uh he's also had you know with Miami he was a solid ball handler and a, if we don't make any major change to that point guard he'll probably have opportunity to initiate the offense and maybe be in a role more better suited to his 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 best skills um and and it's well chronicled that Imeo Doka um coached him in Philly um so there's familiarity already there um I do think we're we're going to be a very solid defensive team. Um, so that's good. The offense could be an eyesore at times. Uh, we'll see. Um, and that's why I'd like getting someone like Patty Mills uh, could be, could be quite helpful. Another player I'd be open to us targeting would be someone like um, Larry Nance Jr. Though I have no idea if Cleveland's looking to move him. Yep. Um, but he's someone that could also kind of fit in at the, at the salary slots that, or the, uh, that sign and trade slot um, if we could finagle it. Uh, also for the record, uh, Chris Forsberg and Keith Smith did both uh, tweet out that the, the Celtics are, or, or ask the question whether the Celtics can convince the next to, you know, take a couple of seconds to create a sign and trade. Right. So the yeah, dream's, so not, we, dead. The dream's so, not dead. The dream's not dead. So we can have the TPE and, and, more and TPE shell out more to assets. to taunt yeah. us.
0: Exactly. No thanks. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> Uh, they do have great flexibility, but uh, it's it, there as we said when we podcasted about the initial Gordon Hayward TPE. These are likely to bring back, unlikely to bring back value. Uh, this is, you know, it doesn't mean that we're getting a player of the quality that that salary slot suggests. So, um, all right. Well, this team still needs a couple more rotation players. I would say they need to figure out what's happening with Marcus Smart. Uh, they need to figure out whether they're going to have cap space full full max next year uh, or the possibility for that and uh and and they need Uh, to develop these young players man we need Nismith, we need romeo we need peyton pritchard to emerge
1: i i think honestly if you if you want to kind of hang your hat on on what what the celtics need for to to get into championship contention it it hinges on those like those five under 24 year olds right yeah it's it's Tatum and Brown need to continue to evolve as stars, as legit stars, and, and Tatum as a legit capital S, capital S superstar. Um, and Nees- to me in particular, Neesmith and maybe L- like Neesmith and Langford um, need to emerge as, as real like assets. And, and Pritchard just continue to be like a solid. I, I don't see Pritchard emerging as an asset. I, I just think his athletic ceiling is a bit too limited, but he can certainly be a solid rotation player for a long time.
0: And I think Robert Williams needs to get healthy. Oh,
1: and Robert Williams, absolutely.
0: He needs to stay healthy. Okay, any else before we end?
1: Nope. <laughs> That's all I got. No, uh, no I mean, what's – I guess, can I offer a, a prediction? Of
0: Please.
1: Both so I, th- I think we'll make a couple of bit signings, we'll, you know, we will use like the full MLE on someone nobody's excited about, yep. uh, for two seasons. Um, we will do a sign in you know, add in a player, uh, bring, bring someone back that no one's excited about, uh, in this 14 deal. Uh, but we're maybe a little bit more excited about than done. And if we're really lucky, maybe it'll be like Patty Mills comes back in a sign and trade or something. Um, and I believe we will not create max cap space next offseason. I'm going to next off already, but I I would I would guess we'll be at minimum heavily involved in trade rumors at the trade deadline this season. So those are my those are my team building uh, guesses over the next 12 months. I, th- I I think I think the Celtics are going to um, do a lot of teasing uh, for in the near term. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if we pulled the trigger on a move at the trade deadline.
0: Speaking of teasing Isaiah Thomas, are you in or out? I mean,
1: I look, it, it was Adam Himmel Himmel Adam Himmel's back uh from the globe tweeted uh, about uh 6:35 p.m. Eastern that IT was not in, you know, a deal for IT was not going to happen. Um I you know, I, I'd be in on it as long as if, if, like, expectations were really clear, including the possibility, if not high likelihood, that he'd probably get waived before the season started. You know, it, it's it been a long time since he's proved he can, he can really belong on a court. I love his, you know, Stevens talked about having more veteran presence and edge. Few people have more of an edge than Isaiah Thomas, and, like, having him in the locker room, I think potentially could be beneficial from just that perspective, but you know, I'm not, I'm not really sold on his game at this point. I think.
0: What, did you what, hear what, what him? What about you? <laughs> did you hear him on, I think it was all the smoke or up in smoke, whatever that's called. Uh, did you hear him on that podcast? I didn't. What so did he, he basically, say? He, he talked about how he, he's been saying he, like, he's ready. He can, he can uh, contribute to a team for the last three years. And, he basically admitted that he actually wasn't and he knew he wasn't. And he has only really, um he finally got like a, I think it was a hip replacement, but he's got basically like a metal hip now to replace the bone on bone. That has basically been an issue that he's tried to rehab through over the last three years. And only recently did he, maybe within the last six to 12 months, has he actually felt better, like waking up in the morning every day and actually feels good um whether he's still got anything left in the tank is yet to be determined and whether he's saying the same thing now that he was saying before of i can contribute when he isn't actually sure he can or not Uh, hard to believe him now when we if you believed him before and he was being disingenuous but right that's kind of
1: my my reaction i I was thinking can can we compile the list of times he said he's really healthy this time um Look, I, I love Isaiah Thomas. I mean, honestly, uh, we've said it before, but uh, aside from the championship year, the t- 2008 championship season, like that that run, uh, that, that team with IT when we went to the Eastern Conference, or those runs when we went to the Eastern Conference finals two years in a row, um, were easily my favorite Celtics team to root for. IT was like what he did that what was it the 2016 season um in the in when he was the the king in the fourth like it was beyond magical that playoff performance he put on after his sister passed away was just unbelievable just amazing like it was so emotional and transcendent and um like the love that the city of boston has for him and, and celtics fans have for him is is never ever ever going away um but it's it's still hard, to, you know. And Ainge and did him wrong, as uh, you yeah. know, uh, Josh. I, I got your back on this one. <laughs> but it, it it so from that perspective, solely from the karmic perspective, uh, I, w- I would be in on it. Uh, from the basketball perspective, I I find it hard to believe it's it's going to be the right move.
0: I am in on a an unguaranteed contract where he gets uh some guaranteed money uh and a camp invite i'm fully in on that
1: yeah i'd love i'd love him to like just start one more game at the garden just for the applause just for the intro
0: all right this has been the celtics pride podcast please remember to rate review and subscribe and follow us on twitter at celtics pride pod thanks for listening everyone